there had been abuse in my family, uh, but it was mostly musical in nature. Are you ready to get your world rocked? Ready! Are you ready to get your mind blown? Do it! One, two, three, four! The holiday season's upon us, and it's time to gather around the family table for a Thanksgiving feast. But no Thanksgiving would be complete without the annual turkey shoot. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We serve up some of the year's biggest musical disappointments, and we'll hear from you, our listeners. Later, we're going to review the latest from Canadian electronic artist Grimes. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and it's time for the annual turkey shoot. But first, Greg, we ought to give credit where credit is due. Robert Crisgow, the dean of American rock critics for years, writing for The Village Voice every November, would talk about bands that he had high hopes for but let him down. I lived for his turkey shoot. <laughs> I think we all did at one point, Jim. That's going to be later on in the show, but first we've got some music news. The Eastern world, it is exploding. Violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating. But you tell me over and over and over again, my friend. I, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. That is Eve of Destruction, the uh, Bob Dylan-style lament that made it to the top of the charts in 1965 under the name Barry Maguire, who sang the song, but it was written, Greg, by P.F. Sloan, one of these fascinating, zealot-like characters of pop music in the 60s. He died on November 15th at the age of 70. Born in New York, Philip Gary Schlein, moved with his family to Hollywood as a teen, sold his first song at age 13, went on to write hits for an incredible list of performers, The Turtles, Herman's Hermits, The Searchers, The Fifth Dimension, and even one of the greatest guitar songs of all time, Mm -hmm. Secret Agent Man, which was popularized by Johnny Rivers, but Sloan actually played the lead guitar. Secret Agent Man, Secret Agent Man. As part of the kind of adjunct to the Wrecking Crew, those famous studio musicians, we've had Hal Blaine on the show, the drummer. He wound up singing the high falsetto voice on Jan and Dean's hit, The Little Old Lady from Pasadena. What a career this guy had. He disappeared for much of the 70s and 80s, uh, suffering from depression. He joked about it later. He said, you know, at least I miss disco, right? But he's had a career resurgence in recent years, wrote his memoir, What's Exactly the Matter with Me, and had an album out not long ago, My Beethoven. Now he's dead from pancreatic cancer at age 70. Jim, we had another key figure in rock and roll die recently. That would be Phil Filthy Animal Taylor. Yeah, well, that's one of the best drummer names ever. Uh, absolutely. The former drummer for Motorhead uh, died at the age of 61. 
when people talk about Motorhead, they talk about the dawn, the birth of speed metal, thrash metal, whatever you want to call it. They made a leaner, meaner version of metal in the 70s under the aegis of, uh, of the great Lemmy, their bassist and lead vocalist and guitarist Fast Eddie Clark. And part, maybe the most important piece in that trio in terms of setting the tempo was Phil Taylor. What a drummer. That double kick drum setup that he had, it was, that in itself was not revolutionary. There were other drummers that were using the double kick in the 70s. But Taylor played it at another level altogether. <laughs> Superhuman uh, speed. Superhuman speed, absolutely. And, and you think about the bands that immediately came after Motorhead sort of set the template for that sound. You know, the Metallicas and the Slayers of the world. Uh, they loved this band. Uh, Dave Lombardo, who I consider maybe the best thrash metal drummer yeah. ever, worshipped Taylor. He, he said, you know, this guy really set the bar for all of us that came after. So a tremendous legacy left behind by Phil, Filthy Animal Taylor. Here's an example. This is the track Overkill from Motorhead in 1979, the dawn of thrash metal on Sound Opinions. That is Overkill by Motorhead, featuring the great filthy animal Taylor on drums, dead at the age of 61. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and Jim, every year around this time, Thanksgiving, we have our annual turkey shoot. Now, what does that mean exactly? We are talking about, um, let's strain another metaphor. It's not shooting fish in a barrel. It's not albums we knew we were going to hate. These are albums we had high hopes for. We thought were going to be great records and let us down and need to be put out of their misery because we were so disappointed by what some ostensibly great artists yeah. In some ta- in some cases, some really big names uh, put out in the name of music this year. Yeah, there's always a, a bunch of these every year, Greg. We're going to hear from 
our listeners later in the show who've uh, got some great nominations. But you're going to kick things off. What do you got? Jim, I'm going to start with one Mark Ronson, who is the producer of the last decade's worth of British soul pop. He was the guy behind uh, all the big Amy Winehouse records. He helped launch Adele's career. He has put out three previous studio albums, which uh, a couple of them were pretty big hits. And I was actually looking forward to this particular album, Uptown Special, because... I had a chance to uh, observe a studio session that he was working on in Memphis, just just by chance. I was going to go visit Willie Mitchell's studio, and Teeny Hodges, lo and behold, the great guitarist, was there at the door when I walked in, and that's the reason I wanted to be here. And I started talking to Teeny, and he said, well, I'm here working on this recording session with this British guy. <laughs> and it turned out to be Mark Ronson. Mark now, Ronson. Teeny, Teeny died a few few weeks later, so it was a very poignant moment. But I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. And what Ronson was doing was road tripping around the U.S. and working at various famed studios, collecting musicians and working on what was to become the Uptown Special album. In that particular session that I saw in Memphis that day, there was Teeny Hodges, there was Kevin Parker of Tame Impala, Mm. there was Steve Jordan on drums, Willie Weeks on bass. I mean, it was an all-star cast. He's he's bringing together all these different talents. I thought, this is going to be really cool. Well, it wasn't. Um, (laughs) You know, and, and a lot of people I know loved that Bruno Mars single, Uptown Funk. I mean, right now, the time and Prince should be uh, filing a collective lawsuit against this particular (laughs) record because it so completely lifts the sound of Minneapolis funk in the 80s. And that's basically what this record does. It takes little time periods from Ronson's past and basically copies them, plagiarizes them. It doesn't move the bar forward in any way. Hugely disappointing album after I had those high hopes after seeing that recording session in Memphis. Here for yourself, here's the track Uptown Funk from Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars on Sound Opinions. That is Mark Ronson with the track Uptown Funk from the album Uptown Special, one of my turkeys of the year. Jim, what are you going to start us off with? Well, Greg, I'm going right to the top. I mean, in the last 75 years of popular music, there are arguably uh, no two voices more influential, no two male voices more influential than Bob Dylan and Frank Sinatra. (laughs) And the two came together, not literally, on Dylan's last album, Shadows in the Night the 36th studio Mm. album from Bob Dylan. Now, look, I'm a huge Dylan fan. So are you. You can't love rock and roll and not be a Dylan fan. There's good Dylan. There's great Dylan. And then there's just okay Dylan. 
This, though, I think, ranks with Christmas in the Heart from 2009 as the very worst Dylan. The idea here is that Bob is paying homage to the 20s, 30s, 40s songwriting canon by some of the great songwriters of all time, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Irving Berlin, Buddy Kay, Frank Sinatra. These are all songs that Sinatra popularized. They didn't write them all, but they were claimed forever by Sinatra. Dylan does not claim them back, Greg. Mm. Conceptually, I, I have a problem with Dylan in the last 10 years or so and this fascination with old-timey Tin Pan Alley music. I'm not such a musical uh, rock and roll head that I won't admit that there are charms in that music. I just don't think Dylan is suited to them, okay? Because part of the greatness of Sinatra is the subtlety of that voice. Dylan's voice is, you know, a cinder block through the window. And there are charms to that, to be sure. Dylan strips away the big orchestral arrangements of Sinatra during during his uh, most overblown kind of period and mainly plays these sort of semi-acoustic bare bones in the recording studio. That doesn't help either. I just don't think he gets these tunes. And, and I can't make the case any more than to say, and I apologize for this in advance, listen to Bob Dylan playing Some Enchanted Evening from Shadows in the Night. Some Enchanted Evening You may see a stranger You may see a stranger Across the crowded room And somehow you That somehow you'll see her again and again. Some enchanted evening, someone may be laughing, you may hear her laughing. Across a crowded room And night after night As strange as it seems The sound of her laughter Will sing in your dreams That is a little bit of Some Enchanted Evening from the latest Bob Dylan album, which uh, Jim Dirigatis hated. I liked it uh, quite a bit more than you did, uh, Jim. I still don't understand that. Well, I hear it kind of as like a Chet Baker record or a late period Billie Holiday. You know, these kind of ravaged voices singing these beautiful songs. What can I say? I I just like it a lot more than you do. All right. All right. So here's a record I did not like after having high hopes for it. Uh, That is the Beach House record, Depression Cherry. I think they they were starting to to develop this sense of uh, developing these crescendos and peak moments in their songs. They were building to something in the 2010 record Teen Dream and then in Bloom in 2012. But in Depression Cherry, 
What I'm hearing is is a band that's getting off to some uh, impressive starts and not taking the music anywhere. In the very first track, they, they promise, there's a place I want to take you. But that place is nowhere. They're, they're spinning their wheels. There's a sense of these songs, as in PPP, you know, a sense of, okay, here it comes, here it comes. And then it's just sort of undulating beautifully in place. It's going nowhere, spinning around beautiful circles, but really taking us nowhere. Are, are they doing a trance thing, a drone thing, yeah. or are they just running out of over ideas in the middle of the song? Over and over and over. Yeah, it's one song. It's a pretty sound. It's a pretty sound for one song, but you you get a whole album of this. It starts to feel like uh, Beach House ran out of ideas. And here was a band that I thought was on the ascent, when in fact it is a step back to their earlier stuff. Here's a little bit of uh, Beach House Depression Cherry, a track called PPP on Sound Opinions. That is PPP from Beach House Depression Cherry, the first of two albums they released this year, Jim. Uh, the first one's a turkey. It was so bad, I didn't even bother to listen to the second one. <laughs> well, coming up, Greg, we're going to continue our annual Thanksgiving turkey shoot, and we'll hear what our listeners have to say. Then we've got a new album to review from Grimes, and you're going to put a quarter in the Desert Island jukebox. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. It seems you like to hurt me, and you know I'm good to you. I'd give you anything, I'll do anything you want me to. Yeah, now you've really got me on the spot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Still, I would forgive you if you'd let me. I'd be glad if we could try again. But it seems that you're just out to get me. And it looks as if you're just about to win. No matter what you do, I always And for calling me those things you know I'm not Thanks a lot
long gone Like a turkey through the cone Long gone Like a turkey through the cone Long gone With my long pajamas on Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with Jim DeRogatis, and we're getting into the Thanksgiving spirit with our annual turkey shoot. That's when we take down some truly disappointing elms from this year. You know, a day on the hunt is no fun at all if we can't get some of our listeners involved, and a few of them are on the line ready to share their own turkeys. First on the phone is Roland in Charlotte, North Carolina. Roland, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi, guys. Great to be here. So we got our Turkeys of the Year this week. Uh, What's your most disappointing album of 2015? Well, sadly, it's the Keith Richards' Cross-Eyed Heart. You know, I'd already hated it before uh, you guys reviewed it, and then I heard your review, and it just brought it all back again, so I really (laughs) felt like I had to send it in. Yeah, Yeah. now, you know, Cott was kinder to it than I was, but, I mean, this is one of the greatest figures in rock history. I'm not going to give him a pass just because we all love Keith. No, you know, and I'm a huge fan. I read his book. I even took an online class about the history of the Rolling Stones. And so, you know, (laughs) uh, I tried to cut him some slack. But with the very first cut, kind of this Robert Johnson blues number, and then all of a sudden it just cuts off and he says, that's all I've got. So (laughs) you know you're in for a a rough listen uh, the rest of the way. That's all I got. Well, the way I was looking at it, since you took that class in uh, the history of the Stones, you should know that you're only going to get one or two decent songs per album for about the last 30 years, if if lucky. And I would say Keith lives up to that batting average, although that doesn't make for a very good record. From start to finish, was it a stinker for you? You know, it really was. It was every beat, every song you've heard in his two previous solo albums. The first one, Talk is Cheap, uh, which I think came out in 89, was a terrific song, and I'd recommend it to any listener. But this thing, there, there's just, it doesn't go anywhere. I'm going to play the track that I think was the nadir of this album, Roland, and you tell us what you thought. Well, Irene, good night, Irene. So, Roland, that was that was as bad as the badness got for me. Uh, am I right? Oh, absolutely. I know Lead Belly is this incredibly important figure in the American song canon, and this is going to upset purists, but Goodnight Irene is a boring song. And Keith Richard took a two-minute, 30-second song and turned it into a five-minute, even more boring song, (laughs) and then tacked on another 30 seconds of dead air on the end for who knows what reason. I guess it was a stab, but profundity, but it was a big fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't work 30 years ago when R.E.M. covered it either. I don't, you know, it's just like leave it to Lead Belly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, no matter how great these musicians are, if the songs are boring, it doesn't work. Roland, great pick of uh, Cross-Eyed Heart by Keith Richards as your Turkey of the Year. Thanks for being our guest. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Keep it up. Jim, we've got another turkey shooter on the line who's about to join us, Salvador from Mexico City. Salvador, welcome to the show. 
Hi. So we're running down our turkeys of the year, most disappointing album. Have you got a candidate? I do have a candidate. That would be Tame Impala's Current. Mm. Uh, yeah, you, you guys recommended it so highly, and yeah. I had enjoyed uh, the other two records so much that I run and buy it because I still <laughs> buy my CDs in, like, you know, solid plastic copies. <laughs> Complete with jewel case, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I listened to it twice perhaps and i was really trying to get into it because you know that's what i do when i actually buy this thing i actually force myself to like it and i just couldn't get in it it was a huge disappointment i'm i'm crushed here greg like so many in america these days we are letting down our mexican neighbors that's right that's (laughs) right i'm telling you so specifically what uh did not strike a chord with you in that record what was it that was so different uh, yeah, what was the second one? Lonerism. Lonerism, I bought it because you guys recommended it. And I fell in love with it from the first time I, I listened to it. It was, you know, a modern, you know, more contemporary take on psychedelic rock. And I went into listening to, to Currents with the same expectations. And I think that was part of the, of the letdown. It's more like in 70s, 80s, I really don't know, uh, thing, much more electronic. So the first thing that disappointed me... The sound, it's very uh, jarring, the voice of the guy singing. It's far too, you know, high. Well, well, let's uh, hear a little bit of it, Salvador, and then you can continue your rant. (laughs) I I admire anyone with this kind of passion, even if it's against something we love, Greg. That is a little bit of currents from uh, Tame Impala. Ke- Kevin Parker, as you said, uh, getting into that falsetto, and that is so irritating to you, Salvador, right? It that's, is, it yeah. is, yeah. And, and it hadn't bothered me before. That's, that, that's a surprising thing. In the other two records, it was like, you know, some guy singing hi. Uh, but this time, it's still in my iPod, and sometimes it pops up, and every single time that any song from this record comes up, I just take it off. So you mentioned a couple of listens. I'm recommending 10 listens. Oh, to this man. record, what are you Salvador. Torture Because <laughs> I think it's a great record. I think I if you get a little more time, I have to leap with it. Now you got to sink it. Let I it sink in. Send him a refund is what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the phone call. Anytime. Thanks uh, and good work. I love your show, Greg. We've got one last caller on the line, Andreas, who lives just outside of Paris. Andreas, thanks for being with us. Hi, Jim and Greg. How are you? Uh, we're doing okay. How are you? Obviously, uh, both of us have been thinking, all music fans around the world have been thinking nonstop about what recently happened in Paris. You weren't at that Eagles of Death Metal show, were you? No, no, I wasn't. But but the more the time passes, I hear from friends of friends, and and I feel for my friends that have lost have lost people that that were they were close to and that they liked, and you're still touched, right? Yeah, there's a sense of shock and mourning, I'm, I'm certain, uh, Andreas. What what kind of impact has this had on the city in general and in terms of, for example, just people going out to see shows? Uh, yeah, I, I heard that one of the big shows that was by a French singer in the Bercy Arena, which is the, the biggest concert venue in Paris, it took place the other day, but it wasn't it wasn't completely full. So I think people are somewhat hesitant. And there there is resistance, you know. I don't think people 
will will stay in because when once the shock settles, people will realize that yes, we have to be careful, but we can't we can't live in paranoia. No, life goes on, and of course, one yeah. of the greatest tools we have for healing is great art, especially great music. Unfortunately, yeah. Andreas, we're doing our turkey shoot, and we're going <laughs> to ask you about a pick for uh, a record uh, that you had high hopes for, but ultimately let you down. Yeah, that was the Decemberist, uh, What a Wonderful World, What a Terrible World. I, I really loved the, the King is Dead. That was really one of my favorite records when it came out. And then this new record, it was just, like taking the same ideas but spreading them out over 14 songs instead of 10 and of course I, I realized that there were good lyrics and it just good lines good punchlines in it but it's just the music doesn't doesn't hold my interest it just falls flat and this one just fell flat very very quickly down by the lake we were overturning pebbles and appending all the animals alive I took a drag from your cigarette and pinched it between my finger and my thumb till it had died. And the sun burned low. That's a little bit of the December's new album, uh, What a Wonderful World, What a Terrible World. Andreas, you don't like it. I thought from a standpoint of the emotional center of this record, you know, Colin Malloy talking about some pretty heavy issues as a father of a young child and uh, also a sense of humor on the other side to balance it. I, I really thought that this was a step forward. But you, as a longtime December's fan, saw this as a huge letdown. W- was it strictly the fact that you didn't feel like the music was testing the band and, and showing any new moves on their part? Yeah, yeah, it's really that. I mean, just the song that you just played, it triggers all my Nick Drake neurons, and <laughs> in the wrong way. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, we made this REM homage, and now we're putting in the middle, oh, we also like Nick Drake. <laughs> okay, let's make a Nick Drake song, and let's not call it cello song, but lake song. What, what's the point? Yeah. Andreas, thanks for a good pick, uh, and we are thinking of you and everyone in Paris. Glad to have spoken to you. All right, Jim, let's get back to our picks. What's your next Turkey of the Year candidate? Greg, I'm sticking with the classic all-time great musicians uh, this year who really, really, really let us down. Now, we are both huge fans of Prince. I think we both developed this working theory, though, that Prince has always been much stronger when he is collaborating with musicians who are able to say to him, hey, Prince, that one idea there, maybe you don't want Najee adding kind of the new age stuff on your music, right? That's part of the problem. He hasn't been listening to other people. He hasn't had feedback for a very long time, really, since his prime in the 80s through the mid-90s. The new Prince album, Hit and Run Phase 1, happens to be number 38 in his catalog of studio records. There is one fantastic song on this album, 1,000 X's and O's, but it dates from that sort of mid-90s period where he was collaborating with a lot of other artists. This one was written for Rosie Gaines. It's been around a while. What's unique, though, and what deflates our theory about Prince not having other people work with him is that he paired up with a young producer and engineer, Joshua Welton, and he really kind of turned over all the reins. He did his usual thing of playing all the instruments, and, you know, he wrote the songs and he sang, 
But the production and the recording, he turned over to somebody else for the first time in a very long time. It didn't improve things. The first half of the album, Prince is dabbling in EDM, and it sounds very, very forced, trying to pair his old-school soul, R&B, Minneapolis funk, you mentioned it earlier, with electronic music. It, It sounds forced. These things aren't going together well. There's also the problem of of him talking, uh, as usual, about how great he is boasting. I'll give you a lyric. Turn my guitar up so I can make this woman scream. But it's followed by one of the lamest Prince guitar solos I think ever recorded. He's a great guitarist, right? This is not up there with his best. You better cover your ears because you're about to hear a woman just scream. Listen to what I'm saying. This is the track Shut This Down from Hit and Run Phase One by Prince. Everybody knows this is how it goes. Ain't no playing around. Just keep your eyes on me. If you want to get pleased, I'm about to shut this down. Shut This Down by Prince with Joshua Welton from Hit and Run Phase 1. Greg, you got another turkey? Your last turkey. Yeah, I do, Jim. I'm a fan of this artist. I know you are not, but I was genuinely disappointed by the Drake album. If you're reading this, it's too late. The first warning sign was, is this an album or is this a mixtape? You know, he's going back and forth. You know, mixtape kind of like... Uh, says, oh, it's not really an official release. I'm Lowers just putting it out there. Yeah. And then a few weeks before, it was it was an album, so that's an official release now. There's a, a lot higher expectation for it. I think eventually they settled on mixtape, and with good reason. This record's a, a muddle in terms of not advancing Drake's agenda in the least. Take Care's 2011 album I thought was quite good. This is sort of a more insular cousin to that record. He, he's still talking about the same issues, and I know you have a problem with this whole ill at ease millionaire business that he's going on. Maybe uh, I'm with. just jealous. Yeah. But, you know, you know, I think the vulnerability behind this bravado of being this rap star is sort of fascinating, the way he deals with some of these questions and some of his own failings. And on this record, he's sort of revisiting the same territory, but the music is a downcast, burned-out crawl. It is 68 minutes of pretty arduous listening, very down-tempo, very monochrome. Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreak, I can't go on enough about that record as being a huge influence. And this continues in that vein, but it's not nearly as good, not nearly as hooky, not nearly as melodic. It's not until near the very end of the record where Drake sounds truly inspired. He breaks into this basically acapella freestyle. But up till then, man, it it feels like he locked himself in a room, pulled the curtains down, and mumbled into a microphone for an hour and released it as a record. This is a real, real letdown for any Drake fan, I would think. 
Here's a taste of If You're Reading This, It's Too Late. It's a track called Legend from Drake on Sound Opinions. Oh my God, oh my God, if I die, I'm a legend. Oh my God, oh my God, if I die, I'm a legend. I'm a first, I'm on tour. Got a girl, she front of side. Used to work, used to dance and test it. Now she clean the house every day. I was struggling to learn what life's about. On my way, money taught me Spanish, make it on delay. Way up north, packing Honda cars, they don't know who we are. Mall, they only shooting at the star. Right or wrong, I'ma right my wrongs. They can't live this long, you don't know where you're gonna go. I got the mapped out strong when I pull up on That's legend from Drake. If you're reading this, it's too late. One of my turkeys of the year. Jim, you have one final pick. What's it gonna be? Well, it's from one last giant who really let us down, Greg. Neil Young. Now, Neil has always had his periods of inconsistency, shall we say. There's the infamous uh, synthesizer album Trans and the blues kind of uh, barroom album This Notes for You from the 80s. More recently, a lot of people hated, although you and I both loved it, his rock opera Greendale. Neil has a tendency to, to get a bug up his butt, get really excited about something, and, and churn out a record fairly quickly. And there are good records in that mode. Living with War, when he was furious about America's intervention in the Middle East. But there's also Fork in the Road, which is an entire album about electric cars, okay? This record, The Monsanto Years, is Neil raging against two things. The huge agribusiness company Monsanto and and all the wrong they're doing to the farmers of the world and the health of our food and everything. He's also angry about Starbucks. It's a little (laughs) harder to figure out why he's got so much rage against the Vente Latte. I I don't know. But, But it's nine songs of Neil again and again and again telling us how bad Monsanto and Starbucks are. Now, the musical setup was promising, recorded fairly quickly, largely improvised, with a band led by Lucas and Mika Nelson, Willie Nelson's boys, right? They have a group called Promise of the Real. It's very crazy horse in the sense that most of the tunes got a lot of fuzz on them, a lot of feedback, a lot of three chord, you know, Neil in prime mode, right? There's no bad Neil garage music except here. It's so half-baked. It's so underdone, it's so ill-thought-out, and it's so pedantic. But here's a taste of it. Here's the title track, The Monsanto Years, album number 36 from Neil Young. You never know what the future holds in the shallow soil of Monsanto. Monsanto. The moon is full and the seeds are sown while the Thank you.
That is Neil Young with the title track of his uh, latest album, The Monsanto Years. Jim, uh, that album is kind of a turkey. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> Although I, I did see the band on tour, and those songs took on a new life in concert, as usual. Neil, you know, yeah. throwing curveballs at us every step of the way. And the beauty of uh, Neil Young, just like Prince, is he's working on six albums right now. Right. And at right. least one of those is probably going to be better than this one. Well, and as I've said in the past, Neil Young is my white whale. I would <laughs> kill to have Neil Young on this show. Neil, I'll eat my words if you come on Sound of Indians. There you go. That's it for this year's turkey shoot, but uh, you can still get in on the action and share your vote for the year's biggest flops at 888-859-1800. Up next, after a quick break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we're going to review the latest from synth-pop artist Grimes, and I'll add a track to the Desert Island Jukebox. He'd go to Missy Mouse's door, uh-huh, uh-huh. He went to Missy Mouse's door, uh-huh, uh-huh. He went to Missy Mouse's door, we had been so many times before, uh-huh. Missy Mouse, are you within, uh-huh? Missy Mouse, are you within, uh-huh? Missy Mouse, are you within? Yes, cancer, I sit and spin, uh-huh. Froggy got down on his knees, uh-huh. Froggy did get down upon his knees, uh-huh. Froggy got down upon his knees, said, Missy Mouse, will you marry me, uh-huh. I'll need my Uncle Rat's consent, uh-huh. I will need my Uncle Rat's consent, uh-huh. Without my Uncle Rat's consent, I would not marry the president, uh-huh. Uncle Rat laughs to the kids. Welcome back to Sound Opinions, and that is a little of the song Flesh Without Blood, the first single from the fourth album by Grimes. The record's called Art Angels. One of the most celebrated artists to come up from the underground in recent years, born Claire Butcher in Vancouver, began making music while studying neuroscience at McGill University in Montreal. Obviously, a mm-hmm. very, very bright woman. The buzz started in 2009, 2010, releasing her first recordings, a lot of electronic pop music, but also elements of dream pop and R&B and hip-hop coming in. The big breakthrough was in 2012 with Visions, spawned a kind of alternative hit. She winds up on the hipper festival circuit, signs with Jay-Z's management company, Rock Nation, which had previously given us Rihanna. So she is really primed to reach the widest audience yet of her career with Art Angels. She's a master of guitar, ukulele, and violin, Mm -hmm. uh, an interesting arsenal of instruments. Let's play a song here, and then we'll come back and give our reviews. This is the song California by Grimes from Art Angels on Sound Opinions.
That is California from Grimes. The new album is called Art Angels. Jim, I got to tell you, I was a little skeptical about this record. Even though I loved Visions, I thought she was a fascinating artist with a lot to say. And then I saw her at a festival a couple years ago, and she was introducing some new tracks that she was working on. And they had this pop veneer to them. And I go, "Uh uh-oh, are we going to suck the soul out of this artist by going mainstream in a big way? Well, she has made her mainstream move to an extent here with Art Angels, but it is completely on her own terms. This is a pleasant surprise because she's completely turned my head around about what I thought this album was going to be a year and a half ago and kept what was great about Visions but gave it an accessibility that was not present before. In other words, she's making a more a pop-like music but she's still playing by her own rules. She's writing her own songs, producing her own songs, playing most of the instruments, crafting a sound that's based around her sensibilities. We've got a lot of guitar here at the forefront. There's a quirkiness in the production and the kind of rhythms that is used. It's a little more stripped back. There are times, Jim, when I'm thinking I'm hearing sort of a new wave slash post-punk type of vibe in the music some of that damaged electronic music that maybe early Depeche Mode might have made. You listen to a track like Scream. I mean, M.I.A. would kill to have Mm -hmm. a track like that, that aggressive and that raw. got this great Taiwanese rapper, Aristophanes, yeah. guesting on that track. And I think it's great that she hasn't loaded up on these guest stars or, or guest producers. She's doing her own thing. She's doing it on her own terms. Art Angels is a buy-it record. I agree, Greg. It, it definitely is a buy-it record. You know, there has been this extreme inside baseball sort of argument in the indie rock sort of hipster rock critic world of recent years. It's poptimism versus rockism, and can we have pop music that's really smart and also underground? And too often, records that are lauded in that way just sound really boring mm-hmm. and saccharine to me. Grimes clearly is interested in what not only pop people like M.I.A. are doing, but, you know, Miley Cyrus, okay? She is interested in, in Lady Gaga. And she is saying, what happens if I make that music without compromising anything that uh, you know anything about who I am musically, but just as importantly, lyrically? This is a, a very woman power record. This is this is feminist friendly. Those are not bad words. I'll never be your dream girl, she declares, and then goes on to tell us exactly who she is, warts and all. I love this record. You're absolutely right. And and you know maybe I just made it sound like it's not fun. That's the thing I love about it. Is it's so much fun. It's a very energizing, uplifting mm-hmm. record. An enthusiastic double buy it. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Just to cast away, island lost at sea. Now I'm stranded on my own. Stranded far from home. Come on. Do you remember? We were shipwrecked together. Stranded out the far from home. Stranded. As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, Greg or I take a trip to the desert island, pop a quarter in the jukebox, and play you a song we can't live without. Greg, what do you got? Well, Jim, as many of us, uh, thoughts with Paris and with France and obviously the music from that country, that city, I don't think it's any coincidence that among the sites for the terrorist attack was a rock concert. A lot of people enjoying themselves. Rock music, you know, the epitome of Western civilization in some ways. (laughs) 
I think the music of France deserves to be celebrated. And I think 25 years ago, that may have been framed as a joke in terms of at least rock music. If you'd had a Jeopardy category, great French rock bands in like 1985 or 1995, yeah. Slim pickings. you might have been hard-pressed to come up with a, a, a couple of names. But since the late 90s especially, we've had a flood of, of great music out of France, uh, interesting bands doing fascinating takes on everything from house music to, to rock. Daft Punk, Cassius, Phoenix, M83, Justice, Air, and I would add a group called Mellow to that list. We, I think you and I were both at a show at one of their rare shows in the early 2000s, rare shows stateside anyway, at the South by Southwest yeah. Music Conference. I still fondly remember seeing this group in the very early night. hours of, of an evening, you know, and, and thinking, wow, these, these guys are fantastic. I wish they would put out more, more music. I wish they would tour. To my mind, I don't think they've ever been that accessible. They only put out a, a few albums, then went away for quite a long period of time. They recently resurfaced with an EP, and I'm hoping that's a sign that they will come back with some more music. But meanwhile, their masterpiece remains their 1999 album, Another Mellow Spring. And this is basically the brainchild of the frontman, uh, Patrick Woodcock, who was briefly involved with Air, co-wrote some songs for that great band, and now took it in his own direction with Mellow, that combination of psychedelia, electronic music, and surrealism, and sort of with an airy, light touch that I think is very specific to a lot of these bands coming out of that, that Paris region. Here's a track from their 1999 album, Another Mellow Spring. It's called Another Mellow Winter, and it is an epic track that just keeps building and building with the horns and the keyboards and the guitars, building to this real peak moment that I still recall vividly as being one of the, the moments of that particular conference that I saw them at for the first time. Mellow on Sound Opinions.
Another mellow winter by the French band Mellow. Viva la France, right, Greg? <laughs> What's on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to take a look at one of the most important instruments in rock history, the Moog synthesizer. As always, Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lin, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Libby Gormley. Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Jim and Greg, my name is Chris, calling from New York City. I'm just calling because I wanted to thank you for the In Memory episode for Alan Toussaint. I'd seen him on his tour with Preservation Hall Jazz Band about a year or so, maybe a little longer. And my only regret from going to that show was that it wasn't a sold-out performance. There's really nothing quite like the experience of listening to his album, The Bright Mississippi, that he did on None Such in 2009. Really just so joyful and so much care that went into the creation of that album. wanted to share that and wanted to thank you both again for rebroadcasting his performance when he came into the studio. So, thank you both. Bye-bye. This is Brad Boyle in Twin Lakes. I just heard about the passing of Alan Toussaint, and I was thinking about all the great music he's made through the decades and reminiscent of the show. When you guys interviewed him, I just went back and listen to all the YouTube clips you have online and well, that was always that was my favorite show back a year and a half ago and it's great to listen to again I'm looking forward to listening to the entire interview so thank you for that went to the fortune teller I had my fortune read I didn't know what to tell her I had a dizzy feeling in my head then she took a look at my palm she said sonny you feel kind of warm she looked into her crystal ball and said, you're in love. I said, how could that be so? My name's Fish McGill. I'm an artist from Boston. And I created a print set based on musicians that I wanted to tell my one-year-old son about when he was born. And the very first letter of the alphabet, I used A for Alan Toussaint. He just means the world to us, and we listen to his music all the time. We're sad that he's no longer with us, and we never got a chance to see him live, but his music really brings our spirits up anytime we put it on in the house, and my son starts to boogie-woogie every time he hears him. So thank you for the great show, and we love your work. Working in a coal mine, going down, down, down. Working in a coal mine, whoop, about to step down. Working in a coal mine, going down, down, down. Working in a coal mine. Hello, it's me. 
I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. Hey, my name's Michael. Yeah, I was just listening. You're commenting about Adele and her new hit, Hello. She does appeal to what many people know as the pop music industry. That doesn't take away from it being a, a good song, but it's all over social media. Ellen DeGeneres is toying around with it. it. It's being brought to the forefront. It's a good song, but I don't think that it, it tops any sort of world record history buster that it's worthy of that. Quite frankly, this isn't, this isn't some brave new world that she's exploring, in my honest opinion. All right, thanks. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.